and welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, the official podcast of Ingenious Prep and your go-to resource for expert admissions strategy. My name is Noelle, and each episode, I'll bring you behind-the-scenes knowledge from former admissions officers about their first-hand experiences reviewing applications. Our strategies have helped countless students gain acceptance to top universities, and we're here to help your student gain that competitive edge and do the same. If you would like to set up a complimentary strategy call, simply follow the link in our episode description and our expert team of enrollment counselors will work with you to create a personalized plan for admission into your student's dream school. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for another exciting episode. So up until this point, we've been talking a lot about all the many ways students can improve their college applications, but we have yet to talk about what really happens when an application hits that admissions officer's desk. So today we're going to get an inside look into how colleges review applications through our guest, Drew, who is a former admissions officer at Northwestern, and he shared such helpful insider knowledge like this one. These evaluators, what they're doing is not just saying, who is the strongest student in this process? It is who are students that would be excellent community members, as well as students, and also excellent classmates. So making sure that you're providing that holistic view of yourself to not just say, I can score well academically, but am I supporting and contributing my school community, my peers, because that reads very well. And this. The themes that I often saw were students being really passionate and being excited about the name of the institution. That is great to see the passion, but that is the type of application that I could sub out the name of that institution and put in almost any other institution and it still reads exactly the same. That doesn't give me a specific case for why this institution. I don't want to diminish students who are excited about it, but you have to tell me the why behind that. All right. I hope you're ready and let's jump right in. Hi, Drew. How are you today? Hi, Noel. I'm doing very well. I appreciate you having me on. Of course, and I'm so excited to chat today. But before we start, can you briefly introduce yourself, share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Absolutely. Yeah. So my name is Drew Hazen. I joined Ingenious after having gotten both my bachelor's as well as my master's degree from Northwestern University. Go Cats. Noel, I know that's a shared connection for us, so glad we can chat about it today. During my time as a student, I had worked in the admissions office, started out as a tour guide, eventually became one of the supervisors of the tour guide program, and then eventually a counselor and a reader for the application process. That's a perspective I bring to my teams and my students is what should we be focusing on for our application building and how do we put our best foot forward for that process. Perfect. So today we'll be discussing how colleges review applications to give students a bit of an inside look into how they'll be evaluated. So to start, I know colleges use something called a holistic review for college applications. But what does holistic review really mean? Excellent question. Holistic review, by definition, refers to the fact that there are many different pieces to a student's application, and all of them are considered when reviewing their candidacy. So the obvious materials that students are aware of are their grades, their test scores in many cases, as well as what activities are they involved in, what other sorts of honors have they been nominated for, even possibly won, the letters of recommendation, as well as any sort of writing materials or writing supplements. 
a holistic review process is making sure that all of those pieces are considered and viewed as a collective rather than, say, just looking at one piece and evaluating off of that and disregarding the rest. From a functional standpoint, I think holistic review offers evaluators something very valuable as well in that you're not just seeing a student for a set of numbers or for a set of grades. You are able to see a student as a whole and see the bigger picture. So that would be my summary for someone who didn't understand of what is holistic review. Perfect. And in thinking about holistic review and taking into consideration all the stellar students that we even have, students that are very accomplished and have awards in many different areas, great grades, great test scores, etc. If students of this caliber are competing with other students who also have these great accomplishments in these many different areas, the billion dollar question is, how can students really stand out? To stand out, it's a very high ask, right? I don't think people really understand it. So you start to look at the thousands and tens of thousands of applications that are reviewed in this process. I'll speak to my experience as a Northwestern evaluator, but also knowing this is true for other institutions as well, that our process is we have a human being physically interact with and touch every single application. So that's why it's so important when there's such a high volume that you make yourself memorable. To do that, I really encourage people to have a clear narrative that they're sharing and have a clear explanation and a very specific explanation. In Genius, I know we very much weight the idea of an application persona, which again is the idea of a sort of brand or marketing strategy. Think a hypothesis or a thesis, a log line for the student of here is not just who I am as a student, but as a person. And here is where I am headed and why the school is on my path towards that destination. I always recommend you have that clear answer and make sure that you are reinforcing that answer across all the different pieces of your application. The example I can offer for why that's important is if you think about two students, you have student A who has all these different materials and all of them generally support the idea of them being a strong student interested in the hard sciences. That provides value, but it's not going to provide as much value as a student of equal caliber, who is reinforcing the idea that they want to use their education to specifically enhance neurodegenerative disease research, to offer a specific example. And if all of their different materials reinforce that and align to that specific goal and offer that narrative to an evaluator, that is much more memorable. And it's much easier for an evaluator to see the path they are on and how that university can support that path. So by having all of their materials pointing in the same direction towards the same goal, I think that's the best way to go. So that would be my recommendation for someone looking to stand out. And I have a question here from a listener who said, I'm struggling with the idea of showing my personality through my college applications. It's hard enough to try to squeeze my academic achievements like my awards while also showing my uniqueness and personality in the process. What is the best way to address everything while clearly showing my unique personality? Thank you so much to the listener who submitted that. Drew, what would your advice be for this student? The way you bring out your personality, some of that is read in the choices of activities you have. I will put myself here as a sacrificial example. If I was to tell you in college that I was a tour guide, I was also a freshman orientation leader, I was also in an acapella group, would you think of me as a loud, boisterous person? Probably. You'd be an excellent detective then. So there's certain things that you can glean just from the activities list. I think a really strong area to show personality 
quote unquote, is going to be through your writing, which is why there's a very strong emphasis on strong writing for our materials. That's really the window to the soul of the application. And I imagine as an admissions officer reviewing all these incredible applications, there has to be some challenges. And I'm sure there were some students that you were so passionate about, but maybe you didn't get your way. Can you share some stories or maybe some reasoning behind what happened? Yeah, absolutely. There are always going to be those stories, right? And I guess a functional piece of advice as I like set up into this is we never want one part of our application to be the negative anchor, like the rock tied around our legs here that pulls us down and pulls us out of opportunities where we should otherwise be. So those are the types of things that if we're a sophomore or a junior in high school, we should be working to remedy. So thinking of specific courses. For me in high school, that was chemistry. It just was not a class I connected with or enjoyed very much. But we never want to see those like really obvious areas of deficit. We should work to round those out and make sure that we're presenting a whole picture. Because otherwise, even if everywhere else we're seeing really strong evidence that the student's a strong student, the challenge becomes I might be really on fire about a student. But if we have, again, such a high volume of other applicants and those applications don't have those deficits, it becomes very hard for me as an advocate to move that student forward because I'm not able to supersede the strong application elsewhere. So we shouldn't look to give an evaluator any reason to keep us out. But I would say that was probably my most common story is I really liked a student, but there's at least one glaring deficit. Those were really hard to push forward, even if it was clear it was just a bad semester. Those things can be contextual. That's the whole point of sometimes using the additional information section on the common application. But really, we just got to make sure we're not presenting any clear deficits. Or if we are, we have clear anecdotes to them to contextualize them or antidotes to them as well to resolve them and make sure they don't become a clear weakness by the time we're submitting our application. And does the additional information section really work in their favor? So for example, I recently saw a student in my inbox mentioned something about having to retake an AP test due to health issues. And they were asking their counselor group if they should be contextualizing this in their additional information section. So I'm curious, is that something that really does play in their favor? Or is that still something that you as an admissions officer would still consider a deficit? It helps to use a phrase, I would say it heals the sick, but it doesn't raise the dead. And what I mean when I say that is, Again, if I see a student with just really clear, consistent grades, and then suddenly there's this one outlier that's just suspicious enough as an outlier where it's, this is odd. And then I go to the additional information section. That helps me understand and contextualize. I have seen every other academic setting that the students participated in. They've had near-perfect grades, let's say. But then in this one environment, the reason why it fell short may have been for something that was outside of their control, for an administrative or life issue, whatever the situation may be. Those help. And again, it raises my understanding of that so I can put it in context. I say, again, that in the reference of it heals the sick. So it helps me understand it better. It is still the reality of that student's application and what they're presenting. When I say it doesn't raise the dead, that doesn't mean it alleviates that. It doesn't bring them back into contention as if they had a perfect grade. That's why for those of us that may be really struggling with an area of academic weakness or really going through a challenge right now academically, we want to make sure we take care of that live. Don't lock that in as a long-term result and just cast it aside. My recommendation is to solve that problem now because resolving that problem will pay off dividends later in life and also give you a lot of good skills for how to overcome challenges. 
And in recent episodes, we've been referring to admissions officers a lot as advocates, people who really want to advocate for your acceptance. And I think that resonated a lot with our listeners because I've had some reach out to me and share that it completely changed their perspective in a positive and more empowering way. So having said that, can you share some qualities of students that you've said yes to? And what was it about those students that really inspired you to advocate for them when you were at Northwestern? That's an awesome question because I really like the language of advocacy around the admission process. I don't want to put Simon Cowell out as an example, but he's not like the evil Simon Cowell of we're going to turn you down and not let you advance in this season of American Idol. I don't want us thinking of it that way. It's much better to, again, think of these evaluators. What they're doing is not just looking to say no. They want to say yes, we just need to provide them the evidence and the reasoning. It isn't just saying who is the strongest student in this process. It is who are students that would be excellent community members as well as students and also excellent classmates. So making sure that you're providing that holistic view of yourself to not just say, I can score well academically, but am I supporting and contributing my school community, my peers, because that reads very well. When I would read an application and I would see students who clearly had success in their academics and in other areas of life, and then went out of their way to build access, build a bridge for others with less access, right? Those are very meaningful things that read well for me as an evaluator. When I think of students who were in a similar situation, but maybe didn't have the resources or the framework around them to solve some problems. One of the best stories I liked reading was, here is a mission or a topic that I feel strongly about. I looked around me and there was no way for me to address that mission. So I made my own or I started the steps to make a student organization or make an initiative in my community. I think that is just such a great habit to get into early is the idea of identifying problems and then saying, what resources are available to me to solve that problem? If not, how can I make those resources myself? That's a very mature thought process in my eyes, and I think others would agree. And also, it's so easy for me as an evaluator to say, yeah, why would I not want this type of student on my campus? Because if they can look around and spot problems so well and solve them in the way that they did here, that would be an excellent skill set to bring. Plus, I have other students that are able to learn from them. It just very much reinforced in the process. So people who are proactive, people who show clear problem solving, people who are very result oriented. I don't mean that in terms of achievement focus. I want to distinguish those two. But if you can quantify the impact you're having in terms of if you're fundraising the amount of dollars raised or maybe the percentage increase in whatever the number of students you successfully recruited for this new organization or you all improved from placing this ranking in competition up to this other ranking. Those are the types of things that not only show improvement and read well, but also show that you're the type of person to track those details. And in almost many areas of life, almost all areas, you're going to want to have that idea to track numbers, track metrics, because it's going to help you track progress throughout your life. Perfect. I also have another question from a listener here. They asked, is it important to think about a school's values or stereotypical students admitted when building an application? And is it strategic to try to craft a persona that is alike those that are admitted? Another great question. What are your thoughts, Drew? 
Yes, that's a question that is best answered yes and no. It's yes in the sense that we want to make sure we being an application team, a family as a student supplying, we want to make a case for here's the path and pursuit I find myself on in life. And here is why your university specifically can answer that call. Now, when we think about university values, I say no, because I want to be honest and say, I know that admission officers and even students at the university, they don't wake up every day and recite the Latin creed or motto of each school. Maybe you do. And I don't want to diminish that, but I know that's not the case for many people. And so I don't want us over-indexing or overweighting that idea. And if a student was to point in an application that I would read and say, that's why I can only go to, say, Northwestern, I would agree with that, that those are things that are available here. But saying that only Northwestern is the answer here shows me that they haven't dug to that next level of detail. They haven't mentally walked themselves through campus and said, but what does that mean in practice? How can that mean something more specific? So that's what I say when I mean yes and no, that it is good to specify to a university specifically, but not in the sense of the Latin creed or the values, try and find that next level deeper. What is it about the student community? Maybe you've had the opportunity to talk to alum or professors. Was it about that university that stands out as that's going to give you that level of detail you're looking for? Perfect. And shifting gears slightly here, do you have any advice for students specifically applying to Northwestern? Are there any specific pointers or certain qualities you'd like to point out for our listeners? When we're looking at applying to Northwestern specifically, I think one of the stronger pieces that helps in your argument is pointing out that while many schools operate on a semester system, Northwestern operates on a quarter system. That doesn't make it wholly unique, but it does shift the experience of a student slightly. One of the main differences is just your course load across your time there. Specifically, you have access to taking more courses. So what I often found was students who had varied academic interests were able to say, I intend to pursue this area, but by using the quarter system, I'm also able to reinforce this area with another topic. An example I I would find very often would be a student saying, I am interested in engineering. I'm interested in environmental engineering. And by having more courses available to me, I can also pursue a sustainability certificate that would reinforce that learning in a way that I wouldn't have access to if I went to, say, a large state program that would heavily focus on just engineering fundamentals. Those are the best arguments I've seen. Other examples could be maybe you really are interested in pursuing multiple areas. It may be the case that you just feel like who you are as a person needs to reflect both of these different areas. An example I can think about that might seem very separate is, let's say, engineering as well as religious studies. So maybe those aren't going side by side in an evaluator's mind, but maybe to that student, both of these areas complete them and make them whole. And so it would make sense then why they would look for a university that could support both of those areas at an appropriate level of rigor. I would say more common examples would be a student saying, I want to pursue maybe economics and then maybe a more math or quantitative focused area to help support that because their desire would to be go into more data, financial analytics, something like that. There are obviously specific programs for that as well, but I'm not going to get too high on my Northwestern admissions horse here. But what I will say is students should make sure they're making a clear narrative when it comes to looking at two different things. If an evaluator leads your application is, I don't understand why they're wanting to do this. I I know that they are, but I don't understand the why behind it. You've already lost a huge chance to win them over. Fantastic. And now I'm thinking about these school-specific essays, like the Why Northwestern essay questions. And I know from my personal experience, Northwestern has such a rich student body and culture. So in saying that, 
Are there any specific call-outs or things that Northwestern admissions officers are looking for in these essays? The essay is, again, such an important part of the application. The themes that I often saw were students being really passionate and being excited about the name of the institution, which is obviously respectable, and then being really excited about the potential there. That is great to see the passion, but that is the type of application that I could sub out the name of that institution and put in almost any other institution, and it still reads exactly the same. That doesn't give me a specific case for why this institution. I don't want to diminish students who are excited about it, but you have to tell me the why behind that. So thinking of examples that were successful, maybe for a student who is a musician, right? There are lots of strong musical programs across the country or across the world. Northwestern has a very strong music program, but maybe your desire specifically is engaging with the Chicago music scene for reasons that you could describe. That combination of this level of rigor and the access to a specific music scene, these are the pieces that complete me as an applicant, then I as an evaluator would have to agree with you by saying, yeah, I couldn't see you making that case elsewhere. Thinking of other examples too, I think of students interested in journalism and having the journalism residency or the JR where journalism students would for academic term would go and participate and actually work in the field and then bring that experience back to campus. Some other universities have variations of that, but maybe that in combination with other resources for Northwestern journalism students, maybe that's your answer. So that makes total sense. Finally, I would just say if you are a student who is interested in the university and you're looking for that specific answer, I don't say this to diminish it. I just say it because I overread it a lot, was a student who went on a campus tour and then told all of the jokes that the tour guide said or spoke to the beauty of Lake Michigan. As a former tour guide myself, I know all the jokes. So I don't mean to zap your thunder there and take that away from you. But I do caution against just repeating the tour as that is good information, but it's just not specific information. It's not true to you. It's just what someone else shared with you. If you offered a reflection and said, I heard this on the tour, and I realized I could see myself here engaging with it in this specific way, that's a different answer than just simply regurgitating something that someone had shared with you earlier. Most admissions officers are going to be familiar with the tidbits and the pieces of sharing that we offer in the admission space. So hearing that back to us doesn't really influence our decision. It tells us information we already knew. Perfect. And do you have any parting advice for our upcoming seniors who are about to start working on their college applications and maybe are feeling a bit anxious about the process? I feel there's a lot of stories that have come up and they come up every admission cycle of high caliber students talking about near perfect grades, near perfect test scores, who somehow fall between the cracks of the process, who get rejected from a large number of high caliber universities. And based on the evidence available, an outside viewer would be totally amazed by that result. I always feel for those students so much because the process of admission is a very vulnerable one. You're really putting yourself out there. And for many students, it's going to be one of the first times that you're getting a thorough evaluation of your credentials. And it's never easy to get honest answers back. The whole point of a holistic review is to review all the pieces equally. And so oftentimes people look at those students and say, there's no reason they wouldn't have been accepted. There's something amiss. There's something awry. And the people making those judgments don't even have the whole story, right? The whole point of holistic review is looking at all the pieces. And if we don't have all the pieces, we can't know the whole story. So I know, unfortunately, that just the way this process operates, there can be students who I feel have the ability to succeed on campuses and then aren't given the chance to go there. And that's always heartbreaking. And I want to support those students any way that I can. But I also know that in many cases, I, as a reader, had the experience of reading applications like that of, 
the student is highly successful academically, has maybe one or two highly memorable, highly influential accomplishments, but other areas of their application gave me great pause. And that's something I feel always gets left out of the conversation. I don't want to offer this as a possible answer for those students who may have gotten lost to say, this is the reason why they didn't get accepted because they did things wrong. But I want to offer that as given we aren't a part of the evaluation, we can't know the whole story. Having gone through the process myself and read applications for students who held themselves back in their writing, who didn't offer their best judgment in terms of the choice of topic or the way they talked about topics, maybe just showed a lack of maturity in the way that they offered responses. Once more, an evaluator, you're picking students that are also going to be classmates on campus. So even if a student's highly academically gifted, we have to consider the whole of the student as well. So my only offering as I wrap up this thought is instead of bringing a lot of judgment to those types of situations where students didn't get the results we would expect to see, I encourage everyone to be very curious and better understand why that might be the case. If we're parents out there or family members and we feel that our student is maybe subject to this or experiencing this, Again, get curious, what are the areas of their application that may be holding them back? Better understand that. We obviously can't control the opportunities that are offered to us through this process, but we can control the strength of our application. So let's always focus there before we jump to any other conclusions. That's actually a really great point that we don't know the whole story, right? We're missing a lot to a student's profile if we say, oh, they were rejected, but they had near perfect grades, great test scores, et cetera. This student could be missing a monumental capstone or signature project that another student may have had, right? And that's, I think, what we do so well with students is making sure that those gaps are filled. So our students do have the best chance at getting accepted, whether it's getting students connected with a college professor for a research project, or I mentioned signature projects, right? So our leadership and innovation lab. So I'm really happy that you brought that up. And now to wrap up this interview here, I'd love to ask you the one question I love asking all of my podcast guests, and that is... If you could leave our listeners with one key piece of advice about anything college admissions, what would that be? One of my biggest, broadest pieces of advice is always making sure you have the why behind your application set forth, but we've already spoken to that. I always encourage the students I work with, don't consider the degree as the endpoint. Consider your education the tool. So when you're speaking to it, make sure you're saying, I intend to use this education to accomplish this or to influence that. So that way the evaluator can see that you have the forethought, not only of how you're looking to develop your skill set, but you're looking to put this tool in your toolbox and you already have the forward thinking to say, here's how I intend to change the world around me with the education I have. Those are the types of story it's so easy to root for, right? You're already laying out a roadmap for this person to say, here's how I am getting to this point and this education is what's gonna help me. Absolutely, I'm on board. How can I help? That is a very important piece that I think gets neglected in a lot of places. Other pieces of advice, more light and fun to wrap us up here. Avoid passive voice in your writing when you can. You have so much flexibility in terms of the topic choices you have for essays. When you have the ability to be creative, please do. One of the best applications I ever read in terms of the essay was about milk. As a Midwesterner, that makes me very proud, but it wasn't like a bias for that reason, but it was just the way you talk about the topic and it's the reflections you share. 
And that student just really sticks with me for how memorable they were able to make that topic. And it's also such a good opportunity to share yourself as well. I want to say that my college application personal statement was something on the topic of the importance of play. And I used board games as an example. That's like very true to me as a board game enthusiast. It's a great way to show personality. I don't want people thinking they have to be quirky, but it is a truthful answer, at least for my case. And I want people to bring a truthful answer that's shaped in a very academic and appropriate way. I want you to bring that to the application because that's what's going to leave a strong memory on an evaluator. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you would like to speak with one of our experts, you can set up a complimentary strategy call with one of our enrollment counselors by following the link in our episode description. And for more information and access to additional resources, you can register for our webinars, which is also linked in the episode description. If you have any questions or would like to request a topic for a future episode, you can email me directly at noelle.kim at ingeniousprep.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of Inside the Admissions Office. And don't forget to follow the podcast so you're notified every time a new episode is available. That's all for now, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office.